This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at craftsanity.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to episode 136 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. More than two and a half years ago, Caitlin Miller was turning left out of the parking lot of the bank call center where she worked in Ottawa County. She spotted another car coming fast over the hill. The cars collided, and the impact of that November 2011 crash changed the course of her life. Her pelvis was broken in several places, and her injuries landed her in the hospital for weeks. Once discharged, Caitlin remained in a wheelchair for three months while waiting for her body to heal enough to walk again. Unable to work and go to her community college classes, Caitlin decided to pass the time making jewelry. And this podcast is about what happened next. So settle in for an inspiring chat with Caitlin Myler. You're 24 now, but you have not been making jewelry your whole life. Yes, I got into a car accident. And um, after that, I was in a wheelchair, so I couldn't work or anything. I learned how to knit, and then I kind of did scrapbooking, and I started making jewelry. And jewelry was the one that stuck. Kind of did it off and on, just for fun, really, and something to do. Probably about a year ago, um, and then in January of 2014, is when I was like, I think I'm going to try to sell some of this. And I just I just started doing it because I love it. I didn't ever think that I would make money doing it. You just told everyone that you were in this car accident. You kind of glossed over the seriousness of this. I mean, because I know you're on that. Yeah, it's in the yeah. past now. It, but but it sounds like though when this happened, this was there was a lot of uncertainty about what your mobility was going to be and what the future held for you. I'm curious about how crafting and being able to make something just helped you to remain positive about your future. Yes. Oh, it definitely did. At the time when I got into the car accident, I was working full time and going to school full time. Um, and we were living in Granville. This just happened totally out of the blue, and I was I broke my pelvis in several places, and they didn't know. I mean, it was like, yeah, you'll walk again, hopefully. And it was kind of like, we don't know how long it's going to be, and we don't know the extent of it. So it was something that took my mind off of that for sure and just like made me so happy to do because I wasn't able to do the stuff that I had loved doing before, and then I found this new avenue kind of to to get into and it just yeah it it totally gave me something to do something to look forward to and get excited about so it was a huge thing for sure for a lot of people uh, whether it's jewelry making or some other form of art or craft for a lot of people when they're kind of forced to stop doing the other things they like to do it it can be a way to mentally survive some of these situations that stress people out and that's kind of funny because at the market i've had several people like other crafters and just even customers that like have hobbies and stuff they're like it's cheaper than therapy which is Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is so true it's yeah it's something it's a great stress reliever for sure regardless of the situation Mm -hmm. and then if you have something to sell and make a little money at the end of your little crafting session, that's always a good thing, too. So. Yes. Yeah, it's a bonus at that point. Were you on your way to work when this happened? Yeah, but I was actually leaving work. Okay, yes. so just a regular day that went completely yep. dramatically regular different. old day. My hu- yeah, my husband was working out of town, and it was typical. Like, I was going home. He would have been coming home the next night. It was a sh- total shock. How long was your recovery before you were um, It ended again. up, let's see, that was beginning in November, and I came out of the hospital and got home right before Thanksgiving. So it was like three weeks. 
and I didn't get out of my wheelchair until almost March the following year. Oh my goodness! So it was wow. three, four months. Yeah. Well, yep. Well, high five to you for just pulling through. <laughs> and I had no idea when you first contacted me and showed me your work. I didn't know this whole story and I didn't know when I went to take your picture at your booth I had no idea and so just kind of chatting with you and your husband the story kind of rolled out yeah one of the things that struck me about the two of you is you guys seem to be very excited your husband is a really big supporter I got them that loud and clear of what you're doing he's very proud sometimes when people have gone through some difficult situations they don't always emerge from that feeling really positive about everything and it seems like you've it's just strike me as being very really positive did you always have a positive outlook yes honestly yes it has been and i mean it hasn't been easy between that and just other hard times that we've had in the last couple right. of years but there's no other way to go through life in my opinion just at some point that's what you have to do to keep on going so it just yeah i mean i i think i'm a positive person and i just That's what I love about life is I just know that everything's going to work out. It's going to be okay. We don't get to choose what happens to us, but we do get to choose how we respond to it. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, I often have to remind myself of that. You know, today was kind of frustrating. I mean, obviously, I didn't have any major accidents or traumas or anything, but it was one of those days (laughs) where I had to consciously, like, remind myself, like, Jennifer, you get to decide how you're going to react. And if you let it completely blow up your day then that's just time you've wasted on, yeah, on something negative. that's 100% yeah. true. So from this, now tell me about the name, The Lucky Lark. What inspired that? Um, honestly, I just, I wanted to do, like, think of some just cute name. And my parents live on a street called Larkwood. Okay. So I was like, oh, Lark, you know, that's cute. And my husband actually, I was thinking The Lovely Lark or something. And my husband was like, how about The Lucky Lark? I was like, oh, perfect. That's so cute. So I just thought of it and it stopped. Do you think that you would have gotten into jewelry making had you not had downtime that you were forced to spend making jewelry? Honestly, probably not. Like, I think I maybe would have dabbled because I've dabbled in lots of -hmm. different crafts, but it gave me the time to really realize how much I love it. And I was like, this is something I'm always going to make the time to do. Mm -hmm. It definitely wouldn't have turned into the extent. And also with the time that I had, like the downtime, Because I'm totally self-taught, so I wouldn't have been able to spend as much time, like, figuring stuff out. It kind of would have been a thing where, okay, well, I just, this isn't turning out so well, so I think I'm just going to be done. They gave me the time to realize how much I love it and that it's something I always want to do. Did you take to it right away? How long did it take you to realize that, wow, I I can do this and I'm good at it? Because I started out just doing beaded stuff and, like, maybe, like, a third of my stuff, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then the rest of it, I was like, yeah, this isn't so great. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say it was just a lot of trial and error. And then I kind of branched out into doing, like, some metal stuff and then the stamping. So it's been lots of practice, but, um, yeah, it just it's really been a trial and error thing. Well, it's really pretty work that you're doing. Why don't you tell people, describe for people what, you make um, lots of bright colors because I absolutely love color. Um, I do quite a bit of beaded stuff, mostly multi-strand stuff because I like big, bold styles. Um, I have like charm necklaces um, with all just different random, fun, and cute charms on them. Um, I also do like these metal shapes that I paint and then I sand them and glaze them. Um, pendants and earrings like that are also really fun. And I also do stamping, which is basically I take every single letter by letter and hammer it into the metal. So that is probably my favorite thing because it can be personalized. Like people can get names and dates and all different kind of stuff. So 
Well, and you had a cute one at your booth this past weekend that was, I think it was, I love you to the moon and back with a little paper airplane Mm -hmm. on it, a little paper airplane charm. And paper airplanes seem to be working their way into a lot of things these days. So you have a lot of things that you're personalizing. You have um, the ability to kind of work with them and what they want to wear. So yeah, that's what I love about it is, I mean, like whatever metal you like, if you like something small and dainty or something big and bold, like it's 100% customizable which is I just, I love that about it because I like making people things that they want. I think that it's really cool that there are artists out there like yourself who are creating pieces that are in a price point where the average man or woman can go out and buy a yes. piece of jewelry either as a gift or for themselves. At the market, kind of like one of my goals, like with just pricing my stuff, I mean, it's just hard to price your own stuff. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I try to stay under the web almost everything is under 30 bucks because I want it to be like, okay, I want to be able to, for people to be able to come and buy something with a $20 bill that they love either for a gift for themselves. I don't want it to be like where my customers are like, oh yeah, her stuff's really cool, but we can't afford it. Because I think it's important. I want it to be accessible to pretty much everyone. Mm -hmm. And I know that times are tough. Like I have a baby, I'm on a budget too. So I totally understand that. Is it hard to create within that budget to create the piece that's under 30 or are you finding that it's actually not too it's hard? It's to really do that? easier than I thought. As long as I'm smart about like where I'm buying my stuff, like if the more I buy like in a bulk order online from a supplier, the cheaper it's going to be. So as long, kind of now that I figured out like what people want and what people will buy, it's really pretty easy for me to stay low on material costs. Do you see yourself expanding into like some higher end? jewelry as well or maybe a little bit I I really like where I'm at right now because it's like pretty much anyone like if they want a personalized gift for somebody they can afford to buy a $20 stamp necklace you know for the Mm -hmm. most part so I like that it's accessible to everyone right now I don't really see myself I mean it would be fun to get into maybe some higher end materials but I just I really love what I'm doing right now and I like that I can have a really big customer base So Mm -hmm. I think that I really see myself just sticking with where I'm at, honestly. Where do you work in your house? Do you have a studio? Right now, honestly, I'm just like on a table in in our den area. Yeah. uh, I'm really excited because we're moving. We just bought a house and we're going to move into a new place and I'm going to have my own room. So I'm like, oh my goodness, a whole room. Oh yeah. Just think how many bees you can pack into there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Right now I just kind of have a mess that takes up like half the den and living room area. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when was the first time you took your jewelry to market? This time at the market, opening day was my first time ever being at a show. Were you feeling pretty good about your booth that first time or have you been tweaking it? I was like going in. I'm like, okay, I think that this is going to look pretty good. But then I realized, okay, I have way too much stuff on display, like to the point that it was overwhelming. And I could tell, you know, it's just like, oh my goodness, there's a lot going on at that booth. And if people, yeah, because if people can't <laughs> focus... They're probably yeah, not it's like buy. you don't even know where to look first. Right. Um, so I kind of took that and toned it down a little bit so that I kind of have like my stuff uh, grouped into categories almost. Like all my stamp stuff is together and then I have some beaded stuff together. Um, so that definitely helped a lot. And then I also noticed because I used to display like for pictures on my Etsy site, I would have a plain white background. And I've realized that at least my stuff personally does not look so good on just stark white. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of the burlap and like tan tones definitely tone it down and 
um, make the jewelry stand out a little bit more. What also is happening too is nobody has bright white skin. You know what I mean? So when you have your when you have your burlap, (laughs) unfortunately, I'm pretty darn close. (laughs) I'm so pale pale that it's really kind of awful. Even in August, I have like barely any sun. That's me too. (laughs) But I think though, when you put the burlap and those earth tones. Those who've actually gotten a little more sun than the two of us, the jewelry looks a little more like it's going to look on a person. Yep, very true. Because I've got like wood tones and stuff for display too. And it does definitely, it gives you more of an idea what it'll look like on a natural person. So I'm very, very interested in what other people are making. I thought it was great and really good for your business too, to reach out and to not be afraid to do that. Because I think a lot of times people are hesitant to contact the media or contact a person and say, hey, you know, I'd be interested in sharing my story. And yes, and I typically wouldn't do that. Like, I would be really nervous about doing something like that. And same with like, because I've been thinking about trying to get into a few stores and stuff. And I'm normally like, oh, I don't know if I should really go and reach out like that. Mm -hmm. But like contacting you was the best thing that I've done for my business so far, I think. And it just, it's a it's a big thing. It's really important, I think, to get yourself out there because there's so many businesses that you have to find a way to set yourself apart in some way, shape, or form. You have to be a proponent of your own work because if, yes, you don't, if you don't do that, why should anybody else? Yep, especially with today, with there's just yeah, there's just so much stuff and so many people making amazing stuff, and with just like social media and stuff, like you have to be your own promoter. What is the most surprising thing that's happened? You started the market. It was like your real big kickoff. Did your Etsy shop start before that? I opened my Etsy shop in January of this year, but I didn't. It was kind of just like if I had a few spare minutes, which I don't have many of, I would try to post a few things until I went to the market and I started a Facebook too for my Mm -hmm. business. And until I started doing those and like making sure to put time into it every week, it really didn't start taking off until I would say the last couple months. How often are you posting on Facebook? Not as much as I should. I try to post at least a couple times a week because I know sometimes I feel like, okay, I'm kind of being like I'm posting a little bit too much. But I also know that not everyone who likes your page sees every post. So it's mm-hmm. important to post pretty often. For those who are trying to get a sense of how to use Facebook to promote a business, what types of things are you posting about your business? I like to put like pictures of works in progress. I actually like to put up because um, I like to show my customers my process basically of creating something. If I am just really busy and haven't had a chance to make anything new, I'll say that on there. Just kind of like little day-to-day updates of my life and how I'm trying to work my business into my life. I've done one contest where I gave something away. That's definitely been my most successful post. Do you ever sell a piece just through Facebook? Like where someone's like, I want it. Actually, I've been surprised because I wasn't really like doing my business Facebook that much. And one of my friends said, oh, you need to post on there more. You could get sales like through there. And I was just like, what, really? But I've actually gotten quite a few sales, especially in the last month or so through Facebook. Like people message me and then, I'll either put an Etsy listing, a custom listing up for them where they pay through PayPal. And that's actually like been doing really well. The internet has just made it easier. You don't have to sit at a booth all day. It's cool too, because like on Etsy at least, like I'm like, oh my God, I'm shipping something to Ohio or California or some random place where without the internet and social media, like those people would have never seen my stuff before. So right. that, that's just really cool. And they're not going to wander past your booth unless they're on vacation. Yes, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, 
You have a young family now. You have a baby. And tell us a little bit about yep. your baby and your husband and this creative family that you're starting here. I have been married for, it'll be four years on September, and holy cow, I don't know how it's already been four years, but, <laughs> and we have a son named Carson, he's 10 months old, and he is just so much fun. He's trying to walk a little bit, and he's just nonstop energy, trying to talk, and he is, he's amazing, he's so much fun. So, we, he keeps me busy, that's for sure. Well, yeah, and it sounds like you're really busy. Are you still working full-time? Yes, I do. I work full-time at a bank, so I'm a bank teller during the day, basically 8 a.m. till I get home, sometime between 5.30 and 6, and then I'm with the baby for a couple hours, and then I usually go to bed later than I should because I still need time to work on my jewelry. You're staying up late, though, but it sounds like you really you love it, like this thing you have to do. I love it so much. I have to spend time doing it every single day. It just, yeah. It calms me down. It gives me something to take my mind off of, like, day-to-day stress. It's Mm -hmm. just, I absolutely love it. Now, do you have an extensive jewelry collection yourself, or do you feel like you have a couple favorite pieces that you wear a lot, and then you sell the rest, or do you like to road test new designs? Um, I Basically, I do road test new designs. Like, I have a large jewelry, I would say a large jewelry wardrobe, because everything for sale, like, I usually test it out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I um my personal self I have a few things that like I have just like personal pieces but other than that I really actually don't have that much jewelry myself just the stuff that I make basically because mm-hmm. I try to wear like if I'm gonna wear jewelry I try to wear something that I made right um I do have like my uh my husband's grandma his nana so my nana too um she had a like kind of a vintage costume jewelry booth in the I'd say it was like the 70s and 80s oh cool so I actually have a ton of pieces from her that I treasure I don't wear them as much lately just because I've tried to wear stuff that I made right but I do have a ton of that and that I absolutely love now is that stuff she made or was she selling commercial a little bit of both she had a bunch of stuff that she like they would go to flea markets and estate sales and stuff I think and buy old jewelry and then resell it as well as a bunch of stuff that she made so she is super creative and inspires me and the stuff that she's given me is just so awesome For you, as you look back, how do you feel looking at where you started trying to make jewelry and while you're in a wheelchair trying to take your mind off some of this, like things that had happened beyond your control to where you are now? Did you expect that you would be selling jewelry? Absolutely not. I couldn't have seen it taking off like how it has been the last couple months. I've been making more sales than I ever would have thought because I would have been happy making like three sales total. I'm so excited every day that people are responding to it and love it as much as I do. I never would have seen it happening the way that it has, but I am just beyond thrilled. Cool. So how many sales do you get typically on a Sunday now? Probably between 20 and 25. Oh, that's really good. Somewhere right around there, I would say, yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Oh, Congratulations. And that's, I mean, it, and I don't really thank you. I don't have much like to compare it to because this is my first time ever being at a market of any kind, but I mean, I'm thrilled with it. So some weeks are slower than others, but I figure if I if I even make one sale, I'm beyond thrilled. Have you had any customers come up and say anything or respond in a way that was unexpected or memorable when they bought a piece from you? One of my friends bought one of like a necklace with her uh, for her sister in law with her sister in law's children's initials on it, 
and yesterday I just didn't have a very great day. And her sister-in-law actually reached out to me and sent me like the nicest message on Facebook and said that it was the most meaningful gift she's ever received. Oh wow! And it made That's her cry. Nice. So wow. it just yeah, yeah, like hearing that just. Yeah, it can turn a bad day around. It just reminds me because, yeah, I, I enjoy making money from it. But it also is about like I it means so much that I could impact someone like that right. with something that I made. Are you to a point where is it hard to keep up with filling your booth each week? Yes, it definitely has been. And I never thought that I'd be at that point where it's like, oh, my goodness, I can hardly keep up because I've gotten quite a few. I get quite a few custom orders every week through Facebook, Etsy or the market. So between that and making new inventory, it's like, oh, my goodness, I have a lot to do. But because I love it, it never feels like, oh, my God, so much to do. So how many pieces a week are you making? I had a pretty good stockpile before I started because when I started the market, I was actually still working part time. So I had quite a bit of time to make stuff. So okay. luckily, I had a good inventory. This weekend, I did really good. I probably made about 20 new pieces. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I, I try to do somewhere between 10 and 20, but it really just depends on the kind of week that I'm having. The piece I bought was on one of your nice necklace displays and really was one of the focal points of your booth. I was there to photograph. I really was not intending to shop. I was like, okay. Because <laughs> oftentimes, I come back later to shop. Like, I focus on doing my story, yep. and I come back later to shop on a day when I'm not working on a story. But I was like, you know, yeah. someone else is going to buy that, <laughs> and I want it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was one of the, and I kept looking at it. I kept photographing it. I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Just buy the piece. But, um, but it was one of those things where I think that you can get away with probably having, like, if you only make 10 pieces instead mm -hmm. of 25, the way you're merchandising where you're kind of setting pieces off, I think that seems to be working for you. Yeah, definitely it does. And it's nice because I can choose like, okay, this week I'm going to put charm necklaces on my mannequin right. things. Or the next week, maybe I'll switch it up and put beaded stuff. So it's nice because I have a nice variety that I can kind of choose to highlight different things every week. And that definitely helps. Well, and I think it creates the illusion of not that you're trying to trick people, but it definitely when there isn't like gobs and gobs of jewelry. Even if you yep. have stock underneath the table, so when something sells, you can replace it and put a different piece yeah. on them, which you always should. Because when you have a booth that looks kind of bare, it does kind of turn yes. off viewers a little bit. But when you have too much, it almost gives a sense yep, of like abundance like oh it'll be here next week no problem there's so yeah, much very true and a lot of my stuff like the piece that you bought and a lot of that stuff will be like i probably won't ever make one exactly like that again right so it's most of my stuff is one of a kind not all of it but much of it is and what is your absolute favorite jewelry making tool right now what do you just have to have Lately, I've been really into the, these metal pendants that I do. Like, I buy their, like, raw brass, and then I paint them with metal paint, and I've just been obsessed with it. Like, since I learned how to do that, I've just, that's all I want to do. Now, is it called, <laughs> it's called metal paint? I've never heard of that. Yes. Pat I don't like even know how to do it. Like a patina kind of effect? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, and then I, yeah, you can layer them on in a hundred different ways, and then sand them down, and... I glaze them so that they're permanent and it's oh, cool. just it's so much fun well they looked they looked really pretty and I did photograph some of those so that's like your favorite thing to do yes yep right now it is and I always love since I've learned how to stamp too that's just like I can do that all day long it's fun to put a message on to something I haven't worked with the metal I keep thinking that I would dent do you dent a lot at first like just have things go off kilter at first Yes. Yep. It definitely like um, I got this stuff, this tape that's like has a raised edge so that I can straighten out the letters because at first, I mean, it was just all over the place. 
but (laughs) (laughs) so definitely with stamping practice makes perfect because there is a lot of practice that goes into it and I still like I'll stamp out a whole phrase and then the last letter is upside down you know something like that that's the thing if there's a typo there's no backspace (laughs) there's no delete button yeah, you have to... no, there is not. <laughs> so, do you? What do you do with the ones that have a, a mistake? I actually have like a huge container full of them because I can't bring myself <laughs> to throw them away. <laughs> but uh, if there's room on it, then I'll just kind of practice or test out a new font with them. But right now, yeah. they're just all sitting there collecting dust. Yeah. Well, you might find some kind of like um, you could do an art prize exhibit called Typo, yes. and it could be like a, yes. it could be a piece of jewelry with typos on it. And, you um, never know. I might do that, and I figure I'll use it for practice. Like I want to learn soldering and stuff, so right. I figure I'll find some use for them. I'm sure. So besides soldering, what is next for you? I've done a little bit of enameling, like with a heat gun. So I'm thinking that I need to do some more of that because that is. A little bit more time consuming, but it's super fun. Where do you think you'll be in, in another five years or so with your business? Oh, I want to say I'll be making a total living off my jewelry business. <laughs> so is that is that your I, ultimate I goal? honestly, I don't know. You never know. I hope to be in a few stores and I, I definitely want to still be making jewelry and doing what I'm doing now, just hopefully on a larger scale. So Yeah. Well, it would be nice to have one job so you could sleep during the night, right? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is great. And I, I can I congratulate you because I, I, I'm a fan of your work. And I think it's I, and I thank you for reaching out because I think it was really fun to get to know you. And um, it was fun you. to talk to you and your husband at the at the show, because it was yeah, really cute. Yeah, he's a big, he's, awesome. a big, he's a big supporter. I mean, because he kept saying, yes. I'm so proud of her. I'm going to jump in here and introduce you to Stephen Myler who is uh, Caitlin's husband, and it was very clear to me that he is a big-time supporter of his wife's handmade business. So I wanted to hear a little more from Stephen about this handmade business that he's helping his wife build. You witnessed, you know, getting the call that she was in an accident and then everything that's happened since then. When you look at the jewelry she's making and see her in her booth looking happy, new mom and she's got all the stuff happening that's beautiful things in her booth and smile on her face how does that make you feel to see that knowing what she came through it makes me just so happy that she is getting back to being the happy person that she was before the car accident and before all the other tragedies happened losing her grandpa and her father-in-law and all that Um, it's inspiring seeing what she's doing i mean if you could have seen the change from before and after that car accident to what she is now. I mean, it's just, oh, the jewelry aside, I mean, it's just, it makes me happy just to see her with a smile on her face. And, and she's really, really good at it. And it's more than I could have ever really expected. I didn't really ever expect it to be what it is. It's not only a source of income for her on the side, but I mean, it's, place where she can go and like get some peace I guess you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um, it's almost therapeutic yeah and I think they're happy pieces too in people who have different styles and approaches you know so if you like beadwork or you like you know a stamped piece there's something for people with different tastes and different styles and absolutely she evolves I mean that's that's the that's the cool part about it too is that she's so talented as far as it's not just beads and that's where it started it was just beads and then oh, well, that's not, you know, exactly what people are, are wanting or buying. So 
she changed and I mean, she just, it's, it's ever changing and it's really impressive to see that. She said that you're more comfortable greeting the public and talking to people where she might be a little more reserved. So it's nice that you're there every week yeah. supporting what she's doing. I'm, I'm a little easier to break the ice with people than she is. But once the ice is broken, she is, I don't know, she's, she's got a light about her, you know. I'm noticing this is kind of an interesting little trend that's going on too, is that I'm seeing a lot of couples out there. That partnership has got to be pretty fun too. Do you feel like you're on a date? Well, yeah. Do you feel like and you're I on don't a... really exactly exactly. That's what it feels like. It feels <laughs> like we're on a date when we go out there. Because so. you don't have to change a diaper or you know. <laughs> no, right. Change Nobody... a diaper, do yard work, or this or that around the house. But really, like I don't even feel like I'm like I'm really helping. I just I I just feel like I'm being supportive. I mean, I'd be out there doing the same thing whether or not she was selling anything at all. You know, right. I mean it's. It just it, it's it's good to spend time with her and it's good to you know see her in her element that you know what makes what makes her you know really happy and and it builds self confidence I guess you know she can be proud of herself for, for accomplishing right and I and I really like being able to see that I don't know if there's anything else that you want me to know I don't know if it's anything you can write down but the but the only thing I can I can really say about her is that there's just something about her when she walks into a room I I don't know she's she's magnetic at some point you know it's I'm I'm told all the time and I feel it all the time that she is just she's something special. A special thanks to Caitlin and Steven for joining me on the podcast today and sharing their story. I hope you found some inspiration in this week's episode. I know that it's amazing sometimes when I interview people and they tell me how they started to really get into something after something really unfortunate happened in their life. It's interesting how a lot of times art and craft saves us from losing our minds and gives us something tangible that we can do and engage in when something else in our life is not going right. So I'm so glad that Caitlin found jewelry making. She's very talented. You can check out The Lucky Lark on Etsy.com. I'll have links from Craft Sanity to where you can find Caitlin. I also wrote a column for the Grand Rapids Press and MLive.com, and that is online today. So I'll have links to that as well so you can read uh, read a little more. You guys know the story now. You got to hear it directly from Caitlin. So thanks for tuning in to this episode. I recorded another one for next week, and obviously I made it through my surgery okay on Tuesday. I'm in recovery mode now, and I think I did push it a little too hard my first week here. Surgery was Tuesday. Tuesday after surgery, I was back on the phone talking to people at my college and students, trying to get things rolling. It's a crazy time to be rolling around on a little uh, knee walker. It's like this little scooter that is very fast. They did warn me at the rental place that a lot of people fall off. (laughs) I have not done that yet, but I'm just like, oh, geez, that's all I need is to fall off the scooter. I think things are going well. I'm feeling extremely impatient just because I'm someone who likes to be on the move. And I like to move quickly. Crutches and scooters are just not my thing. But this is a humbling experience. I did go to Fiberfest. My husband kindly took me down there. I probably did push my luck a little bit. I think I was up on my scooter a little too much. I should have been home icing and elevating. I will say it was worth it. (laughs) I didn't get to go to the Michigan Fiber Festival last year. And I was feeling like I really needed to make up for last time. So it was fun to see some folks that I haven't seen in a while. And I ended up buying another loom. Yes, folks, true confessions. My daughters are getting into weaving and I have one tabletop loom that I bought like a decade ago and I moved that upstairs and they're both really interested. I'm like, oh, this is so darling. And then of course I'm, you know, 
at Fiberfest on a on a scooter. Part of the vending area was underneath these tents where there's gravel. And it's really interesting because I never would have thought anything about that if I had not had surgery and trying to navigate the place on a little knee walker. I could not get my scooter to go over the gravel. My husband was like, oh, you know, I'll try to help you. And I thought, you know, I don't really want to like take a spill here and end up cutting myself up or spraining an ankle or whatever. I've already recovering from this bunion surgery. I did not issue any major complaint or make a stink about anything. That's not really my style, but it did raise a flag. I keep thinking at some point in my life, I want to organize combined 5K and art festival with workshops and so forth. I want to have a craft sanity event. I haven't let that dream go. If I do plan an event, I have to think about, okay, can everybody get to every part of the event? That's really important. And so this experience is teaching me to just kind of be mindful about that. It's also teaching me too, like when you are on one of these things, people stare at you in restaurants and wherever you go. I did go see a movie. Went and saw Boyhood. It's good. You should see it. It's two and a half hours, but it's a good one. But just all these places that we've gone, people do like turn and like totally stare at you. I appreciate the fact that through Patreon, I've received some more support since the last episode, which I really appreciate. Also, a couple donations from people that I've thanked individually. I really appreciate that. For those who don't know, if you're just tuning in, what I decided to do is go through Patreon to fund the podcast. So I've asked listeners who like the show and enjoy the content, if you have the desire and the means, if you want to kick in a dollar a month to support the show, I'd really appreciate that. I have another episode. Uh, The day after my surgery, I recorded a podcast with a printmaker in Rhode Island. I didn't go to Rhode Island. I just stayed in my recliner and my husband brought all my recording equipment and my computer. Turned out to be an extended interview and it was just ridiculous because I had my foot up. I'm icing it. But it was fun and the person I interviewed, he's very funny. It definitely dulled the pain for a while because I think humor is the best medicine for sure. So that podcast will be coming soon as well. If you have ideas for guests and people you'd want to hear from, by all means, send those my way. School is going to be starting at GRCC where I teach, the Grand Rapids Community College here in West Michigan. That's going to be starting up on a couple weeks. It's going to be insane. I have yarn bombed my knee walker. Maybe that's why people are staring at me. Um, (laughs) That even happened though before I yarn bombed the knee walker. But anyway, I am going to be, I think, a memorable professor for these folks this semester. The woman who is literally rolling around the classroom on a scooter. I'm trying to uh, just get my schedule standardized here so I can keep up with the weekly pace of posting shows. So have a great week, and I will be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at CraftSanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsandy.etsy.com.